This podcast was first available to Herald Premium subscribers. Subscribe to the Herald for as little as $2.50 a week to get Cooking the Books one week before everyone else, as well as access to the latest investigative work and analysis from our team. News Talks at B and the New Zealand Herald present Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, demystifying your finances. Welcome to the Cooking the Books podcast. I'm Francis Cook. Shares are scary to some people, but they don't need to be. Investing in them is actually quite simple if you follow a few rules. But while we've talked about what you should do in previous episodes, there's a less positive side where you also need to know what not to do. One of the reasons the infamous 1987 crash was so bad in New Zealand was because people broke this simple rule. You don't use debt to invest in the share market. Newstalk ZB presents Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, boosting your business confidence. I'm joined now by Mark Fowler from Hobson Wealth Partners. One of the things people talk about a lot when I talk to people about shares is the 1987 crash gets brought up and it's this big bogeyman that hangs over discussion of shares in New Zealand. It did hit New Zealand a lot harder than other places. I, what was fueling it? Yeah, look, it's, it's really interesting. And it is amazing how that sentiment has run. You know, 30 years later, we still talk about the 87 crash. Mm. I guess the, the key difference, you know, from my perspective is that uh, back in 87, you know, in the, in the, in the run up to the, to the crash, there was a lot of highly geared businesses, so property companies, investment companies, who were effectively investing in each other's shares. Mm. So it was almost leverage on leverage, um, which is sort of a type of house of cards. And so ultimately there wasn't a lot of cash flow backing up some of those valuations. And so mm. what we saw was a, was a huge clear out. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, the spillover effects to that were, were, were enormous, really. I think, mm. um, you know, people forget that uh, effectively BNZ had to be bailed out. So a lot of corporates went to the wall. Um, you saw unemployment spike above 10%. Uh, we had the currency go to sort of 39 cents against the New Zealand dollar. So it was almost like our own sort of mini GFC, if you like. Mm. Um, and the ramifications are that, you know, people still remember that quite clearly. And so I think sentiment towards equity markets is still, uh, for some people anyway, still quite mixed. Yes, and people will often sort of reference it in passing and say, oh, well, a lot has changed since 87, which is true. But I think as well, you need to do more than just say things have changed. It's really important to say what's changed and what hasn't in some cases. So when you say highly geared, um, I assume there you're talking about the debt in those companies, but also individuals themselves were borrowing to get into the share market that's quite dangerous, right? Run us through why you shouldn't use debt in shares. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think I think the thing I would say is that a little bit of debt uh, for buying shares can be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about it, if you think of it in a property context, whenever you borrow money, there is a certain amount of equity that you need to put in uh, in order for you to buy that property. Now, I think with shares, you need a lot more equity, clearly. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and and the risks around equity is things like ultimately a company can stop paying dividends, mm-hmm. so therefore there's a lack of income which you may be relying on to help service some of that debt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, equity companies can go to zero. It doesn't happen as often as maybe some people think, but but there is that risk around that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just being really prudent and sensible around the amount of debt that you would yeah, that would you allocate to to those shares if you were to try to service it in that to that degree. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the key things. You know, like you'd say the same thing with housing is you have to be prudent around your level of debt to get exposure into equity markets. But I agree, it's, it's, it's a different asset class to property. It's mm-hmm. not something that is quite as tangible. 
uh, and you can't be as reliant on the income, and therefore you need to adjust your your debt levels, you know, quite a, quite considerably lower if you're considering sort of funding uh, share purchases through debt. Yes, and I would say for the average person, the sort of the old mum and dad investor trope, um, I would almost say just don't um, because obviously everyone's situation is different and we're talking in generalities here, but for the average person who's doing it themselves and hasn't trained in finance or something, there are fish hooks, right? Um, Where can using debt to buy shares go wrong? Well, it can, there's a number of things. I guess if you, uh, let's just say, for example, you know, you borrowed half of the money, half of the value of that underlying equity. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got a funding cost, so you've got an interest rate cost to to fund that debt. Um, You have a, you could have a situation where that equity value halved, and then you were forced to repay your loan, and you had to sell those shares to repay the loan. Mm. And bear in mind, if the shares have already halved, you're probably selling into a market that's very, very difficult to find liquidity and find a price for that. So you can really find yourself getting into a pickle quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess one of the th- key things that have changed now is I think uh, mum and dad investors would find it very difficult to go to a bank and say, I need to borrow money to buy shares. I think you find that process would be would be somewhat harder than it was back in, in 87. Um, and the reality is you would need to have collateral or some assets outside of those equities that you could call on if need be, if, if, if it went wrong. Um, but you, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there is some, and I guess the thing too that people underestimate at times is the speed of that decline. Um, so, you know, if, if a company can come into to, to problems, that, you know, that can spiral quite quickly. Mm. Um, so, you know, investors certainly have to be mindful of that. And what strikes me there as well is um, everyone kind of went a bit shares mad in the 80s. And you heard about things like people uh, putting a second mortgage on the house to buy shares. Um, and then you kind of saw a version of it, not quite to the same widespread extent, but when Bitcoin was being hyped, I saw a lot of stories around of people saying, it's a sure thing, I've mortgaged my house to the hilt and I've put it all into Bitcoin. Bitcoin. And then we saw this calamitous collapse of Bitcoin, which, as you say, happened extremely quickly. Um, And I I can almost see the logic, right, where you say I can get access to money, a line of credit that has a four or five percent interest. That's decent, right? That's quite cheap money. And then you look at something like your average shares fund might be a seven to ten percent return average. Um, or something like Bitcoin, which was making money hand over fist for a while. When you're making that calculation, the problem is that those things are an average return or a past return, right? You don't know the future. No, absolutely right. And I think, you know, if you use Bitcoin as an example, another thing I would add to that is it was highly speculative in nature. Mm. So it wasn't um, generating any cash flow or income. So it wasn't like Bitcoin was paying you a dividend stream or, or um, some kind of income coming off that asset. So it was really all around momentum. And so if you got your timing right and you managed to buy it at 5000 and went to 10000 and you got out, well, it's, everyone's, you know, it's a great story. But to your point, the reality is, is that's, that's a highly speculative investment. Mm. Um, and I think borrowing money to go into something as speculative as that is, is, is dangerous. Whereas I think on the other hand, if you think about companies, um, you know, we think have sort of long-term wealth creation. So if you were to buy uh, equities, sorry, shares in a company like Auckland Airport or Fisher & Park or Healthcare, very strong blue chip businesses that have great cash flows, mm. then I think you could make more of an argument to say, look, 
I'll borrow at 4%, it has a dividend yield of 6, 6.5%. You know, as long as you're prudent about it, that can make some sense. Whereas I think if you're saying, look, I'm borrowing money to invest in something highly speculative like Bitcoin, then I think that is a bit of a recipe for disaster. And basically the share market is buying into a little piece of a company. And if you are looking at that, sometimes a company has a good year, sometimes a company has a bad year. Meanwhile, when we look at debt, you are going to have to pay back at that rate no matter what. And they often talk about in the the personal finance community or amongst those who are achieving um, or looking to achieve financial independence, pay off debt because that's a sure thing versus investments might be up one year, down the next. Investing is really great over the long term, right? But in the next one to two years, you actually don't know as much as you might over 10. Yes. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, whenever we talk to people around investing in the market, it really is about long-term wealth creation. Mm. And I think um, for a lot of investors, sometimes that time frame is frustrating because, you know, like all of us, we want to have money now and those sorts of things to spend on other items. But I think the key, as always, to, to long-term investing is around having that discipline around what we call asset allocation, so differing in different types of businesses, different types of asset classes, and taking that prudent approach to, to investing. And but sometimes that can be difficult when you get caught up in the hype um, and the momentum of something like, you know, Bitcoin's is a good example. Mm. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, debt doesn't go away and it needs to be serviced at a minimum uh, and ultimately needs to be paid off. And so, you know, that's, I guess, when you're taking into your, you know, your personal circumstances into into consideration, then, you know, you need to be able to confident around servicing that debt, um, you know, over, over the course of the loan. Mm. And uh, you mentioned this point before, and I thought it was a really interesting point that, okay, there might be some situations where if you really know what you're doing, you might use some debt to get into shares, but it would be much lower and you would be very cautious about it. Um, meanwhile, when you buy a, your own home, you might have an 80% loan on that. You might, if you've got a really good relationship with your bank, the bank might stump up 90% of it and you only have a 10% deposit. How are shares and housing different? Yeah, look, I think the key difference, you know, as, as I see it, is that when you think about property, it's quite tangible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bricks and mortar, I think New Zealanders uh, in particular have that psyche around they see property as a safe investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the key thing there is that it provides income. So generally speaking, most people feel as though regardless of where you are in the economic cycle, you should be able to rent that property, mm-hmm. uh, which will provide income to help service that debt. Um, I guess the, the the difference with equities is that, as you say, you could have a bad year for earnings. Uh, the board can come out and say, look, we're not paying a dividend this year. And you may have invested in that equity expecting a dividend. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly that income that you're expecting disappears, if you like. Then you also have the volatility of the market whereby we call it mark to market. So every day you see the price movement in that equity market. Now, you could make an argument at the moment that Auckland housing prices are probably down, let's say, 10%, but you don't actually see that each day in the marketplace and having to, to sort of look at your asset value. And so people, or what we could sort of say, bottom drawer property. So they don't sort of look at the current value, they just look at the income. Mm-hmm. Whereas equities, I think it's far more transparent around the current value of that equity, you know, is it going to pay a dividend? You know, what is the long-term outlook for that business? So I think it is. A, it certainly is a different risk profile. Mm. Uh, and I think investors see property as a, certainly a, a safer asset, whereas in, in a lot of cases it's not necessarily the, not necessarily true. Well, that's exactly it, right? Where the the eighty seven crash has 
created this hangover for decades in New Zealand where people are quite worried about shares. Meanwhile, it actually also, that rolled over and it hit the property market really hard as well. Meanwhile, New Zealanders love property. Does that ever strike you as slightly ironic? Look, I think it does, but I think also people have, you know, tend to have short memories. Mm. Um, I think the trouble we've seen in this cycle is that, you know, undeniably property has been an, an incredible investment over the last sort of five to ten years. Um, actually, equity markets have been as well, but that's, that's beside the point. So I do think the recent run-up in property, it almost sort of reaffirms that thought process. Mm. Whereas I think, I think I sort of made the point earlier, when people invest in equity markets, I don't think they necessarily see it as sort of long-term wealth creation. Mm. Although I think the advent of KiwiSaver is starting to sort of change some of those perceptions. Mm. And people actually realise that investing in the market is not quite as speculative as, as it maybe it once was. You know, there's much more rigour around companies in terms of their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's much more rigour around disclosure, so listed companies having to disclose to the NZX. And so I think there's generally a feeling that it's a, it's a stronger regulated equity market than maybe it once was. But, but I agree with you. I still think there is that perception, particularly in, in some demographics, that, that equity markets in particular are, are still sort of a high-risk investment. Mm. And so it's, it's almost the takeaway is kind of... Um, don't use debt or at the very least be extremely cautious about it and to look at shares as a really long-term strategy, that's the way to make sure you don't get burned, right? Absolutely. And I think one of the, the difficult things sometimes communicating to clients is being able to what we call volatility. So looking through in the short term and saying, my equity price may have come back 10% and sort of, sort of saying, okay, that's okay. We're looking at it over the long term um, and not sort of, you know, getting on that sentiment bang wagon and, and looking to sell into that and, and, and I guess realising that loss. Mm. We try to encourage investors that these are very good companies that we think will go up over the long term, but it's just, you know, it's just about sort of communicating that message, I guess. Yes, the hope is that over the long term it goes like this, right? But you've still yes. got those dips in between. Absolutely. And you've got to be prepared for them. Definitely. And look, sometimes it's a lot easier said than done and I appreciate, you know, people's wealth are at risk. They certainly feel that way. But you're staying the course is, is very much a, you know, it's, it's a, a key fundamental for, for investing. Mm, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. That's Mark Fowler from Hobson Wealth Partners. Now, if you have a question about this podcast or anything else to do with money, get in touch with me. I will try to get it answered in a future podcast episode. You can find me on Facebook at Francis Cook Journalist, Twitter at Francis Cook and Instagram at FrancisCookNZ. Send me your questions. Let's get them answered. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And until next time, have a great day. And that's Francis cooking up your business confidence for another week on News Talk ZB.